Sports Talk Connection podcast network listeners, welcome to episode nine of Behind the Connection. I am JT, and this is my podcast where I have friends and other podcasters on to talk wrestling fandom. And we usually just have about an hour's worth of a fireside chat, trademarked in the Toolman Taylor. And we just talk, watch some wrestling. Well, we, we have it on the background and often talk about it. And we dive into just kind of growing up as a wrestling fan, what it means to uh, all of us to be wrestling fans today, how we got there, etc., etc. So enough rambling by me. I've had a wonderful cavalcade of guests so far. I've been blessed with that, and that continues tonight. Yes, he is a partner of mine on multiple podcasts at this point, I believe. But we co-run the 9021 No-So podcast, our Beverly Hills 9021 pod in the North-South. And that is my uh, close, dear, personal friend, Mr. Tim Cable. Tim, how are you? Hey, I'm good, JT. Thanks for having me on. I have enjoyed your cavalcade of guests here on Behind the Connection, and I am one of the cavalcade of Tims <laughs> associated with the nation. Um, <laughs> Too many not the tool man, not uh, not Slomka, uh, although I do hold them in very high regard. I'm the other Tim, so uh, yeah, of 9021 Noso, which I hope uh, I hope folks are enjoying. Uh, we're trucking right, right along there, and Beverly Hills 90210 in Spelling Land here. We are, and it's been. Uh, I guess we can. I think we'll talk about. It. Let's talk. We'll get into it um, as yeah, we I move on. I got that soft plug in before we. This, yeah, this. I like the soft plug. I like a hard plug. I'm, I'm good for all plugs, really. I so, know. as is the usual on this show, I let the guests pick what we're going to watch in the background, and I usually implore them to pick something that means something to them. But we did cheat a little bit tonight, Tim, because you had something originally <laughs> picked out. And then I, I said, did. like, knowing that you are known to be a WCW aficionado and having done multiple WCW podcasts, both current and in the past, I said it would be timely if we did a WCW Spring Breakout Nitro episode. And there's also a tie there, too, because my appearance back on your old podcast, Survey Says, uh, was all about the Spring Breakout Nitros. And we, you, me and Andy talked all about that. So I, I just thought it was kind of fitting that you and I watch a Spring Breakout Nitro together. And you seemed game for it. So that was good. Yeah, it's it's fitting in a lot of ways, and I and I think um, you know this is something we'll probably get into. You, you kind of know me better than I know myself sometimes, especially when it comes to wrestling. And yeah, I'm I'm just um, a WCW guy through and through, and tis the season for uh, spring break and spring breakout nitros. This is a show that is uh, very near and dear to my heart. It is the uh, spring Breakout edition of Monday Nitro from 1998. That was on March 16th. I believe this is the day after, uh, day after, day after uh, Uncensored 98. Uncensored. Yeah, that would like sound right, I believe. Let's see. Uncensored was March 15th. So, yeah, it's the next night. That was in Mobile, mm-hmm. Alabama. Okay. Um, all right. So, so now we're this at is available. Club La Villa. <laughs> Club La Villa. This is available on Peacock, of course. We are queued up at about six seconds, and I'll count us in, Tim, and then we'll, we'll get going, all right? Yeah, let's uh, let's get started in three, two, one, and play. We have a sponsored by Cineburst. What is that, Mint? Fruit? Yeah. Fruita, uh, Fruitaburst? Is it Mintaburst? Fruitaburst, Mintaburst, and Mintaburst, Cineburst, and Fruitaburst. Yes, very 1998 gum flavors here. It might play that out, so I'm going to be a few seconds behind you now, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I was actually a few seconds behind you when you were queued up at, oh, at six. Oh, so maybe seconds. even now. Yeah. Are you a big uh, Fruitaburst the... fan? 
If you had to rank those three gums, what are you choosing? I would, I'd probably go with the fruit burst. Um, Cinnaburst, a little bit too close to like a big red for me. Mm-hmm. Can't get on board with that. And I mean, who's chewing mint gum in 1998 when you're a teenager, right? Um, yeah, I don't mind a mint gum, but that depiction nowadays of mint gum looked kind of gross. Yeah, that that pic, yeah, it looked like a stack of white minty chalky gum, which was not appetizing. I actually think the the cinnamon looked the best in that picture. If I had to pick one, just based on the presentation of the ad. I believe it was the signature brand of, yes. uh, again, this, this very, very 90s uh, candy product. So I wasn't a big gum person ever. I can't say I, you know, that was one of one of those things when you're a teenager in school, like just that they would get on your ass about among the many right. just trivial things like, yeah, you're chewing gum or you're wearing a hat. You know, you just God, leave us alone. I think yeah, kids you're growing a beard. Nowadays. Yeah, really. <laughs> Gonna grow a beard. Is that facial hair? Um, so Club La Vila is such a cool mm-hmm. setting, you know, and, and I think you and I are similar. We're both kind of marks for these like unique presentations on pay-per-views and television. Something I wish I love it. You know, companies yeah. would do more of. I think AEW seems a little bit more open to it, at least nowadays. But it's always something that I thought was a bit of a layup to like mix things up from the status quo and do something different when you have so many hours of television, like why not? take a shot and mix things up. So I always appreciated that WCW went to this level and it was fitting because it made them seem cool and hip because it was always around this time of year that MTV was doing their spring break stuff. Right. So it's like there by the pool at the beach, doing all of their programming. And here's WCW also doing the programming, you know, in a cool pool setting. And I think there's even one year they do some crossover stuff, right? I think some like outsiders like say, man or something show up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like 97, 98, maybe that 99, uh, show mm-hmm. they they would have some cross promotion with the MTV uh, spring break programming and this I don't know this this show in particular it's like why 98 because they did it several years and I just settled on this one because this is right in that sweet spot where I mm-hmm. and I know this is a topic you like to explore with your guests uh, where I got back into wrestling <laughs> after a little bit of a break so um it was really you know from calendar year 1998 on is, is when I got back into, uh, I mean, regularly watching every single week, flipping channels, WCW, WWF. And it was WCW that brought me back. And I can just remember this show being one of the first as, as part of that resurgence for me where I was like, oh, wow, wrestling is super lit. <laughs> like, and this is this is such an awesome presentation. I'm totally locked into WCW, the storylines and the characters. And, um, it was just really felt this was lit on all cylinders. Despite Tony probably wouldn't have, fleece. <laughs> probably wouldn't have used that expression at the time, but, uh, <laughs> Tony Schiavone is always lit. Come on. This fleece is, uh, was it that chilly that night in club of I guess, maybe it could, be I guess much. maybe kind of a, kind of a stiff breeze. Maybe. I have to get some old Chad. I know this is a, a hot hot spot. Is going out of pit. Yeah, I was gonna say Chad Campbell's been here, right? He's yeah, um, yeah, he's been to Club La Vila. Frequent frequent visit or no? He said, uh, I think he said he went there in high school or something. Yeah. Anyway, we'll um have to pull up with him on that. Mm. So all right, so you mentioned getting back into wrestling. Well, let's go way yes. back to Young uh-huh. Tim Capel and tell me how you first discovered wrestling. Look at this entourage, by the way. I'm sorry, this I is know. like ridiculous. This is it, fucking wild. I loved NWO. It's always mind-boggling to me that like 
WCW's peak, which I would say is right around here, kind of coincides with WWF's come up. Like, you always think mm-hmm. of the wars as being equal, the Monday Night Wars, but there's not much time where they're really, like, both on top. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. very brief right. and fleeting. It's really maybe the summer of 98, like, Bash of the Beach 98 with Leno coinciding with the build to the highway to hell like other than that it's either always yep. was wcw on top for a long time or then dof beating them back down and like that was it so like there's no time where both are super hot i mean i guess into 99 wcw's technically still kind of hot but i don't know i, I think they peak o- over the summer here as far as like an I, I, do too. I, I think of 99 as being when wcw starts to cool off and again it's really from like that first nitro of the year, right? With all the finger poke stuff. And from then on, it's just kind of a slow, steady decline throughout the year um, that, that just is going to progress. Um, but you're right. It's, it's really, I mean, at this point, WWF would be building to God. That's hard to believe they're that they're building to mania 14. Um, right. At this point, you feel like that had already happened, but it totally yeah. hasn't. Like Tyson um, and Austin and uh-huh. his percent, like that's here. Like we don't even really have Mr. McMahon yet. Like that's no. like it's nuts that's insane. how deep, right? WCW is mm-hmm. into this run. Like we already have Big Papa Pump. Dusty's already a heel. Like this is how far we are into the NWO, and we haven't yeah. even gotten like Mr. McMahon yet. God, I'd never thought of that, but it's. I mean, it's so true. I would have been again flipping back and forth, probably seeing you know is Mike Tyson on Raw tonight? <laughs> you know. Right. Um. Just seeing WWF, like like you said, on the ascent, but for all intents and purposes, like WCW is where it's at. Um, yeah. And, and that's what, I mean, in school, everybody's got like the NWO shirts mm-hmm. and, you know, they're the cool heels. But, you know, people are back into wrestling, but it's because of stuff like NWO um, and Sting. And uh, really, you don't, I mean, I feel like I didn't start seeing Austin shirts until much later 98 really yeah. into 99 yeah i think it was that summer really is when dof started to heat up as far as like a mainstream because i remember like my senior year was very wcw heavy but i remember it dof like creeping in like people were watching mm-hmm. raw and that would have been 97 98 so i remember like second semester like like raw was definitely getting hot like i remember people talking about it and you know as we we're getting close to graduate but when i went to school in the fall like the bookstore had a Steve Austin poster that I bought and put on my wall and it was considered like fine. Like it wasn't like, look at the wrestling nerd, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So like, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. and we watched raw like in our room, you know? So like it was, I, by mm. then it was, I think WDF was like kind of there. I think Austin really took off over that summer. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I don't think it's until I, I think their peak is like 2000. WDF. So like, WDF yeah, I mean, I remember that being something you talked about with Aaron on um behind the connection and and to me i i kind of see it uh from two different sides I, I think of 2000 as being like you said the peak of their mainstream credibility and mm-hmm. just acceptability really because you think about like rock on snl it's a big big deal and they're doing kind of the um i mean they'd already done like the leno stuff that was as early yep. as 98 but it wasn't uncommon to see wrestlers um, on, you know, just late night talk shows and stuff like that. And just, I don't know. I think just, it was it cool, felt, but it wasn't like, mm, 
it's coolest and most like normalized, I guess is the word to say it. Like, like you're saying, like rock on SNL didn't feel weird. And, and he hadn't really even done movie. I mean, he hadn't done any movie. I don't think it, right. Mummy hadn't even come Mm -hmm. out yet. That was a one, I think. So like that, that was normal. And that's when he moved to uh, MTV as well. Right. So there was like a lot of crossover. Yeah. With E and MTV, WF and MTV, with he and the celebrity death match with Austin and all that stuff. Like, that's kind of when it really, really picked up. And at the same time, I, I think of that as being, it, it feels like the mainstream is sort of always chasing the hottest trends, right? So, in a way, right. it wasn't as popular with, like, I don't know, like my uh, sort of friend circles at the time were sort of getting out of the wrestling phase. Not that it was, again, you you couldn't have an Austin poster on your wall or whatever, but it's not like I had a lot of friends who were still watching week to week by by 2000. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I I think it was really that I think of 97, 98, even by 99, it was cooling off just again, within my social circles, within like my school, which is another thing that, I know we're all over the place, but bear yeah. with me. Um, that just blows my mind about both of us. I, I think of us as as being of the same generation, and I think we are, right. just because we have very similar cultural touchstones mm-hmm. um, and and just interests. But then I remember, like you graduated high school in in ninety eight, right, and. I was class of two thousand, and I'm like, it doesn't feel like there's four years between me and. JT like that feels like a significant gap you know um yeah but here's, here's what I figured our out. souls met in the middle Tim I think that, that's what yeah we're well well here's what I figured out is that you graduated when you were 17 so you were like Correct. one of the youngest kids in your yes. graduating class I was one of the oldest because I I turned uh my 18th birthday was in September so I've always been one of the oldest you know kids in in my class um so you were 18 just one of those senior year basically yeah okay yeah so i didn't turn September. 18 until until almost the end of my first freshman mm-hmm. year of college i turned 18 so right yeah that that's basically like a lot so that's the, the big difference and plus um see so you probably you probably didn't have like did you had kindergarten right that's that was the thing with yeah, your... I did two years of nursery school, kindergarten, but my, my parents, because of my birthday at the time, I think the cutoff was different. Like, they didn't, uh-huh. I think it was, like, year-end not, and not, like, September or whatever. So she sent, my, my my mom decided to send me early. So, like, I was in nursery school, like, or preschool, like, at three instead of four. You know, like, whatever it was, I was, right, like, a year, right. always a year early. And I just tracked that way. They allowed it then. So, um which you know, I I think worked out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, yeah, no, she decided they not to change it. I think she wanted yep. to out the house. They changed it, and it might have been you know just a state thing. I don't know, but right. by the time I I was born, we we had this thing called junior kindergarten, which mm-hmm. was part of the public school system. It's just it's like I think it's also called pre K, um, right, someplace. Yep. So I did that, and then kindergarten, and then first grade. And it's just. A lot of kids would like skip the the pre-K junior right. kindergarten part of it. So it, it it's just it could have been like I could have just as easily graduated probably 2002 and been one of the the younger kids like you. Mm-hmm. But it it was just one of those you know when they enrolled me I guess or what the 
what the rules were back then. So, but that was like really throwing me until I thought about it and was like, yeah, I guess it's just one of those weird timing things. Right. Um, School wise, it's a bigger gap than actual. Cause it's like my yeah. sister, she was born, I was born 1980. She was born 1985, but I was born in December. She was born in January. <laughs> so it's like, okay. it's really like only like four years difference, you know, not, mm-hmm. it looks like it could be, would be five based on the year. So it's crazy how time works. Uh, all right. So as the flock, <laughs> man. as the flock makes their way out, um, take us all the way back to the eighties. I'm assuming because when you first yes. discovered wrestling. Okay. Just barely though. I, I don't know what my like formal introduction was. Um, I think of, I think of myself as getting into wrestling in like 90, 92, like uh, Federation era WWF stuff. But um, I've actually seen, this is funny, I've seen home movies. We watched them, my mom and I, um, just this past Christmas, (laughs) found these home movies that had been converted from like VHS to DVD at Mm -hmm. some point. And uh, one of the Christmases on there was Christmas 89, it had to have been because it was the only Christmas we had in this one particular house. Um, I had gotten like some wrestling stuff, like some wrestling, those uh, Hasbro action figures that I know you <laughs> were quite fond of and had hell of a collection. Um, and I was going on and on in this home, home movie about uh, demolition for, I guess I was really into demolition that you would think I would remember this and I really don't. Right, so if they were the demolition Hasbro's, those were like the first ones uh-huh. to come out uh, pretty much. So yeah, that had to be like late 89 ish, I think. And I don't even know, like I didn't even see like demolition action figures in whatever we were watching. I was just for right. some reason talking about demolition while I played with other stuff. And specifically what I um, recall from that Christmas was the blue uh, ring with the red, white, and blue kind of yep. bungee ropes and the flag, um, the flagpole, which I had for the longest time. And I don't know what happened to it, but um yeah, that's one of like my early wrestling memories without actually being tied to, you know, watching professional wrestling. It's one of those like it's got to be like a lot of my interest was just introduced to me by uh, my cousin who is like a year and 10 days older than me. Mm-hmm. And that house we lived in at the time was right across from where he and his mom and stepdad lived. So it just it worked out kind of conveniently because. Like his mom could do sort of child care type stuff. Um, she had just gotten remarried and um, was pretty committed to being like a stay at home mom and and doing like all the the school PTA activities, stuff like that. Um, my mom worked full time and, and she had a boyfriend we lived with. Um, so it, it just kind of helped my mom out, basically, um, you know, during that time period. And I, I remember catching the bus. Uh, before and after school over at, you know, my cousins, even when we didn't live there, like my mom would, would drop me off in the mornings, pick me up in the afternoon. So just kind of had that experience. So I don't know, somehow my cousin got into it and told me about it. And, you know, my parents were just sort of whatever. I think they just, my mom just kind of thought it was dumb. Although later she would get into it herself. And my dad, um, my dad was kind of into it. Um, we, we didn't live with my dad, but I don't have any rem- memories of my 
actual mother and father being married. Um, but you know, I did the other, every other weekend thing with him. So, um, he would, you know, kind of be into wrestling and tell me stuff. And I think he was more of a NWA fan to the extent that, that he was into wrestling. Cause he, um, you know, he would always know like the, when a WCW guy came in, he would know, Oh, well, that's from WCW. Oh, you know, Ric Flair, Lex Luger. Like I could tell like he was into those guys. Um, but we didn't really watch a lot of WCW. Um, but honestly, the, the extent that I watched wrestling back then would have been, uh, you know, probably Saturdays like superstars. Um, right. We didn't have, and this is just like a, an access thing, you know, back then, um, my mom, who I lived with, you know, primarily, uh, we did not have cable until on a regular basis until like probably, God, 93, 94. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we'd sort of maybe get it off and on. Um, So, you know, if we had cable, I would try to watch, you know, whatever programming was on USA. But a lot of it was just, again, being at my dad's or at my cousin's, you know, they did have cable. So I could at least watch Superstars um, Saturday morning slash afternoons. But um, that was about it. I don't even remember really watching uh saturday night's main event although i'm that would have been like tape right by then it, it was real spotty by 90 though if that's yeah, when you're kind of guess so. and that demolition set was 90 um that it came out with the ring uh so if you're getting in 90 there's only like a handful of saturday night's main events left and two were on the yeah. fox so it's, it's, it's probably not a shock that that wouldn't have been on your radar by that point it was starting to, to fade away Probably not. And that's why I don't have like a lot of memories of, you know, people talk about how Hulkamania was so huge and being huge Hulk Hogan fans. And it was like, I had an awareness of Hulk Hogan, just like that he was this big star, but it was like, I never, I felt like I never saw him. It's like it, it, and we pay-per-views were just out of the question back then. Mm. Um, I don't know what it was. Again, I I think it's just a, you know, growing up kind of poor, Um, where like my parents would splurge for certain things, but, um, even my dad who like, he had a decent job at the cigarette factory, (laughs) of course, (laughs) but, um, like he was not going to pay, he was not going to buy a pay-per-view. Like, I I mean, I guess if I had asked like for a special occasion, my birthday or Christmas or, (laughs) I mean, but there's no way that, that I was going to. I was going to waste an actual, you know, request on, on something like a paper, you know what I mean? Like I had to kind of yeah, pick yeah. my spots and it wasn't going to be a wrestling pay-per-view. So yeah. Um, and if you're not getting pay-per-views and you're not, I mean, you know, yeah, you're not going to see Hogan and stuff because it's, he's just not going to wrestle on TV. You may get promos and talk about him, but mm-hmm, uh, it's rare mm-hmm. that he's going to be in action at all. Like on those weekend shows. So not a surprise. He wasn't quite on your radar. So yeah, when you say you go back to it, yeah, good. No, I mean, it was just, I had a very, um, I guess you could say casual relationship with it mm-hmm. as a fan in, in the very early nineties, again, like late 89 into 90. Um, God, I remember, uh, <laughs> one of the, the, the things that really freaked me out as a young wrestling fan, uh, was when undertaker, um, 
you know, stuffed uh, uh, Ultimate Warrior into the casket. Yes. And they had to do the whole, you know, <laughs> have people busted open and he's getting CPR and just it was a very for back then, like intense, realistic segment, the type of thing mm-hmm. that that they just didn't do at the time. And that was like that, like kind of shook me up. And that's when, like, my parents had to, I had to have the talk, you know, you know, this shit isn't real. Like, it's it's all just fake fighting. <laughs> right, and, right. I was like, yeah, I always kind of thought that, but I wasn't sure. And it looked very real. And, it, and even my mom was like, yeah, they did kind of a good job with it, but it's, it's, uh, it's really not real. It's, you know, this is just acting. And I was like, oh, okay. So I feel like that's kind of young to discover it. Cause you probably would have only been like, what? Six or so. Six or seven. Yeah. Six yeah. or seven. Um, but at the same time, this is funny. I was, uh, I was really into Jake the snake. Um, even when he turned heel, I was like, yeah, I know he's like a bad guy now, but he's got the Cobra and that's so much cooler. <laughs> it's just like, I, was, right. I don't know. I, I sort of, um, I definitely rationalized a lot of the heel stuff away as a little kid. Um, just because I, I had to still be into Jake. I wasn't going to change my allegiance. Um, and that, I think that just comes from, um, so this is a weird side story. When, I was really into reptiles as a little kid. (laughs) I think, I think because, uh, my mom and I, before we moved into, you know, that house, um, we lived with this guy who, uh, he's, he was sort of, well, he was very eccentric. Um, but eventually he went on to like develop some kind of, um, very, popular pharmaceutical product for like the makeup industry. Um, it it was something with, he was a chemist by trade. So he invented some kind of alpha hydroxy acid thing that that's used in a lot of makeup products. Okay. So he worked for like, he was, he eventually became like a chemist for Revlon or something. Um, so ended up making big, big money. But at the time he was, uh, an exotic, reptile collector which by the way was completely illegal um for for just a private like he had no licenses or anything he right ran like this sort of um <laughs> this like bullshit zoo out of his basement uh <laughs> i'm making it sound like a tiger king situation which it really right? wasn't he just in his basement he he literally though had all of these enclosures with um with venomous snakes that he would import from like fucking Australia and Africa that Jesus. again, you are not supposed to have as a, as just a private owner. No, um, what if that shit gets out? <laughs> Terrorizing and it did. It, the shit would have, he would be like, Hey y'all um, don't go down <laughs> in the basement because the fucking uh, Gila monster or the, the uh, Gaboon Viper got out when I was trying to transfer it to some other enclosure and we'd just be like uh okay um so yeah he had all kinds of shit like that and it was like fascinating to me as a little kid so right and he eventually um i he he did get busted uh for that and for um god i was i remember seeing the news article a couple years ago uh he had (laughs) apparently illegally purchased a bunch of um 
Egyptian artifacts that, again, is type of thing. It, it belongs in a museum. You know, you're not supposed to right, have it. Right. So, I don't know exactly what the crime was. but this guy have, like, a fucking portal to hell in his basement? Is it like a sarcophagus with all these different reptiles? And yeah. I mean, he wasn't into... I mean, he might have been into all the Egyptian stuff back then. But mainly it was uh, exotic an- animals. I have to show you the... I saved the um, the news article. I'll I'll send it to you. Um, it might be a funny funny thing you could link <laughs> off of from this episode about what this guy got in trouble for. Um, but anyway, I, long story short, I was into snakes. I was into reptiles, and Jake the Snake, as as a young wrestling fan, man, it didn't get any cooler than that guy. So, but anyway, I, I got out of it when basically all of the WWF like old school federation guys left so you know throughout that probably 92 um when just right even though i never saw hogan and it's like okay hogan's gone warrior's gone which my cousin was really into warrior um jake is gone and that was you know early in the year uh so it's like once all my favorite guys had left i was just like well i guess i'm not into wrestling anymore even though you know, a lot of them I could still see in WCW. I just, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to follow dudes across, um, channels. Like <laughs> it was hard enough trying to keep up with it when I didn't have cable and was that young. There's just, you know, it wasn't sustainable. Well, without cable, I mean, there wasn't probably a ton of WCW exposure. I don't think anyway. there was any. Yeah. I don't yeah. think there was, there was really any, even with all their syndicated stuff, it was all, right. it was all on cable station is right. none of their none of their stuff ever landed on a broadcast network maybe on wgn or some shit like that at some point but i, I uh, yeah i think most of it was cable based so definitely yeah you're right it wouldn't be under in your wheelhouse at all so um now were you heavy into comics yet at this point like how young were you when you got into that yeah i was heavy into comics i had gotten into comics i would say before wrestling again would have been introduced uh by my cousin who mm-hmm. It's just one of those things I, I can't even there's not even a story attached to it. Uh, I just remember knowing what superheroes were before I, I knew that right. comic books were a thing. And it's like he had some actual comics uh, and I can distinctly remember one cover. It was like a DC, like a, a DC Comics Presents or something. It had Superman and, and Firestorm on the cover. I, I feel like it's the first comic I ever saw, at least the first one I can remember and it's like, oh, you can read about uh, these characters. Yeah, they're called comics, you know, that kind of thing. And just, I, I can't say I ever took a break from comics the way I did wrestling. So I, I would have been deep into comics, um, you know, even as early as, as like 91, 92, really. And made a point I, I don't know why, and I don't know why they never hit my radar. Like... I was Comics. never into superheroes or yeah anything superhero related. I know the mm. 80s was exactly a boon for it. Like it wasn't like a ton of content being churned out or anything um, right. at that point. But it's uh, yeah, I don't know why. Like I, I remember even like the Superman movies, uh-huh. like my dad would watch them sometimes, but I never was super into them. And like the original Batmans, like I always saw them, but like I didn't. I was going to say, you would have been. Like that Batmania, the 89 Batman movie coming out that summer yeah, is dominating everything. It's weird that, that you missed that. So, but you weren't like a big movie guy either, though, were you? 
Now, my mom kind of, I, I was a little, I was a little sheltered with like that stuff. Like I didn't watch a ton of, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to even say that was like darker, but I just wasn't. Well, yeah, not I, yeah. I think it's my aversion to horror. It still probably comes from that mm-hmm. era of not really having exposure to that stuff. I just, you know, I've talked about it before endlessly. Then growing up, I watched like QVC, like to go to the bed, you know, like shit like that. <laughs> um, just like a lot of sitcoms and stuff. So it's like. And my dad was a sports fan, obviously. So sports was always on this old house, mm. New Yankee workshop. You know, like that's the kind of stuff like that um, was on a lot of my house or a ton of old sitcoms, you know, mm-hmm. Andy Griffith mm-hmm. and Green Acres and like stuff like that. So that that was just kind of more what I grew up with. Like I didn't really start getting into I mean, I obviously went to movies right? like I remember seeing Home Alone in the theater and Sister Act like you know I remember movies and the I saw Transformers I know that yeah in 86 so um for whatever reason though like the first real superhero stuff I remember watching would be the Batmans in the 90s like I remember going sense. to see yeah. both of those for sure um I remember like I said watching Superman a little bit as a kid like my dad would have it on I'd watch it but yeah, it just never really hit my radar. Like I never got into comics. I think I was I was so into Transformers mm-hmm. and and into GI Joe. Not to the extent of Transformers. Transformers is like my pre wrestling obsession. Like I was super into heavy into Transformers in the eighties. Uh, I mean, my sister was really into Ninja Turtles, so like I watched a lot of that with her. Oh yeah. And then uh-huh. so like those are my two big ones. And, and then once wrestling came, like that was it. Like I was all in pretty much on that only. So. If I was going to spend money on material, it was going to be a wrestling magazine, you know, or yeah, that's gonna, the thing. You yeah. know, watch wrestling, videotape. I was going to spend money on videotape to videotape wrestling. Like, I wasn't going to allot those funds to buying comic books. Yeah, you just had limited capacity for for your interests. I think when you're a kid, yeah. um, it, that, it, it, you would have a time. few different lanes, right? It's like okay, you can be into sports, you can be into comics, you can be into G.I. Joe or probably not even Star Wars because they had a they had kind of that dark period throughout the, you know, late 80s and early right. 90s. But, you know, yeah, I was like never you had a couple of and that makes sense based on like Return of the Jedi came out the year I was born. So it's it's really weird that I am a Star Wars just because I watched them all the, all the time. We we had those movies um, record on VHS. The only reason I got into Star Wars, just watching them over and over and over as a kid. And that's the thing. I, I think not having the access to a lot of cable television until I was a little bit older mm-hmm. meant that we were a big movie family. Um, right. We went to movies a lot. We had a lot of movies just, again, recorded on VHS. We were we were just into that. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, that 89 Batman like I said, was huge. Uh, the Supermans were kind of done by mm-hmm. 87 for a long time. But then you, it, uh, to your point, you had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was 90. Right. That was a huge, people forget how I remember that seeing that in the theater. And yeah, we mm-hmm. were, I was, I mean, I watched that tape a million times. I, the Pizza Hut commercial right through the end, like the oh, whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great stuff. I've seen it a million times. And I, I honestly don't think I saw Star Wars for the first time until like, it was probably like 97, 98. Yeah. Would be the that's when they put them stuff. back in the theaters, right? Right. They, they did well, yeah, the, and they the released the VHS. Editions. Yeah, the VHSs. I think it was like Andy's house, so we watched it. And then I went to go see Phantom Menace. I remember seeing that like 
I don't think it was opening night, but it was close. I saw it like sure. pretty quick to when it came out. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, my dad was a wrestling fan. My brother who didn't live with us, um, he's a half brother, but he was like a mm-hmm. big wrestling fan. So, and my grandfather was into it too, more so like when he was younger, like, but he would kind of talk old days stuff, you know? And then yeah, my cousin, yeah. similar to you, although he was only a few months older than me, you know, and my uncle, like they were into it. I think my dad and my, and my uncle just kind of grew up into it too. So they weren't like diehards, but they definitely had it on, you know, routinely. So I think it was just in my purview for a while growing up more so than like no one yeah. I knew really was into comics. And I went to school. So I had a weird setup for elementary school. Like, you know, I, I see it now even with my own kids and, and hear about others who went to school oh, down the street and then your neighborhood. I didn't have that. Like I grew up on kind of a main road. And I went to school in a completely different town. And this sounds like it's close, but in Rhode Island, it may as well be seven hours. But it was a school about 20 <laughs> minutes away. Okay, and, wow. That Yeah, I mean, that's far for the school, I feel like. Yeah, and it was a Catholic school. And the reason was my, my mom worked in that city. And my grandparents would pick me up and my sister from school. And then she would get us after work. So I spent, like, a lot of my time through eighth grade in a, an area completely different than where I lived. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all this to say is that it's not that I didn't have friends, but like my interactions with friends were often limited to just like school hours. Yeah. And oh yeah. I didn't have experience. a lot of friends come over mm-hmm. after school because it was, it was a hike. I mean, it was just like, they couldn't get there on their own. So it had to be like a set thing. Like, okay, on Saturday, you know, Jim's going to come over. His mom's going to drive from Johnston. You know, it was like 20, it was like a big thing, like to come all the way to West Warwick um, mm-hmm. and drop them off. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, conducive to just saying oh we're just gonna you know all run over your house and hang out i just didn't have that so a lot of my i, I didn't have a lot a ton of influence i guess i'm trying to say because i wasn't just like hanging out with kids after school a lot um to say oh let's re- read my comics and stuff like that you know it just wasn't anything i yeah. was super on my radar i really just had my cousin honestly i had friends within school but no like you said, they were really just school friends. I, we weren't really that close. And it was because after I moved out of that that neighborhood where my cousin lived, um, I didn't live within my school district either. It was just, again, my mom right. um, dropping me off over at their house so I could catch the bus, which, you know, was in district. And that's how it was throughout most of elementary school. Um, and not in middle by middle school i was actually going to the school within my own district uh so i wasn't you know at my cousin's house every day at at that point but it still was like okay i was i was used to just having my school friends and there weren't like a lot of kids in the neighborhood even where we lived which was you know at one point this apartment complex and and then later um you know this little house my, my mom bought and actually built um was you know just in a neighborhood that did not have a lot of kids my age and Mm -hmm. i was like you know um you would think i mean that would be kind of a i don't know it feels lonely to try to describe it that way and it's probably not most kids like reality nowadays but it was totally like that latch kid that latch key kid thing easy for me to say where i'd you know, get home from school as early as um, sixth grade, get dropped off um, at my bus stop, 
walk, you know, the couple blocks to my house and I'd be on my own for that, that couple hours before my mom got home. And, you know, by then we had, um, cable more regularly. So I watched a Mm -hmm. lot more television and and that's when I would get into stuff that even today I, I still, you know, look back on pretty fondly and much of it very age inappropriate, but (laughs) That's just how it was back. Yeah, it's just how it was back then. Like nobody cared. It's just, and we've talked about this. People don't, you know, people in their like, I don't know, twenties today. So you know, adults. We're not talking children. Like, don't realize how much Mm -hmm. shit you just watched because it was on television. Well, yeah. When you said earlier, like there wasn't as many options. Like it's so no. And today, though, today they have those options. Like my kids can yeah. literally pull up anything in the world that they want to watch at any time. And yeah. we just didn't have all that volume of stuff. Like we had maybe the same five or six tapes, maybe the same seven or eight magazines. You know, it was like like that was it. Like we rewatched and rewatched and they rewatched stuff, too. But they have access to literally anything in the world. And by the way, this is a very RSV tag. And we're going to talk about it. Blue Meninas, <laughs> Bulldog and Anvil. Um, or he got Bulldog and Anvil. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this, um, yeah, it was just, it was just such a limited volume of things to watch that, yeah, you end up watching stuff you don't want to, like, you're flipping through, you know, they have 30 apps to flip through now with, with thousands of hours mm-hmm. of stuff. We had 30 channels, and half of them you didn't give a shit about, yeah. right? Like, half of either <laughs> random local stuff or public access um or you know a couple of news channels that you weren't into or you know espn during the day wasn't exactly captivating in 1996 either you know and i know you weren't a sports fan but they're showing the same sports center nine times and then like some (laughs) random replay of some old game or something during the day so like there wasn't all this for and like even even not just owning stuff but just wasn't all this first run live content catering to people 24 7 it was like the new wow. stuff aired in the morning or at night. And like, that was it. Like the rest of the day was old shit. Even, yeah. And I think of like, uh, programming that is directed at kids like Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. even Nickelodeon signed off at eight o'clock and it became right. Nick at night. So you're like, unless you're down for watching old sitcoms as a kid, you've got to, you know, figure something out unless you're just going to bed that early, which is entirely possible. But um, it's like, for what reason would a, would a nine-year-old boy be watching Mama's Family at five o'clock Monday through Friday, like literally right. every single day, because it was on? <laughs> That's the yeah, exactly. Reason. And and think about it, and that was, was and they the were best programming to people getting home from work, right? Like, mm-hmm. think of like even now, growing up, like the shows that are always on TV, or right? like Seinfeld and The Office and Friends, like. Right. That's catering to us from our 20s. And like, that's what yes. that they were doing at that time. Happy Days and Green Acres and Sanford and Son. And like that, I mean, that was stuff when my dad was 20, 25. Like, and that's what they were trying to target. And in an era where there were less TVs in the house and less options to watch, like I spent very many nights just playing with my wrestling figures in the living room, watching yeah. Sanford and Son. And, and loving know, it. Yeah. It's just, you just got to know them, I guess. And Sanford and Son, funny. that's another good one. Yeah. And, I love you know, God much. forbid you're home, you're home sick on a weekday and it's like, yeah. uh, the 700 club. I mean, I don't know. It's just, right. there's nothing there. Are Andy Griffith reruns, you know, there's just, 
Well, USA no, would come in no clutch options. sometimes in that stretch. In the mornings, they would at least have like American oh, Gladiators, sure. Parker mm-hmm. Lewis, like all that stuff. But yeah, once you get to that one o'clock, like the one to four stretch would usually be pretty rough. Like because oh, soap operas kind of yeah. took over. Uh, sports kind of went dark, and it was like, ugh, there was like game the game show, the morning game shows were over. So there was like mm-hmm. not a lot really tune into but it's funny because i was um we went on vacation a few weeks ago to my parents condo and in florida and i had a really (laughs) i wish i had a really spent like a full week with my parents like in a while like living with them basically and Mm -hmm. there was only one living room tv and i i was pretty you know i stay up late i was pretty much out there with my dad most nights and i'd kind of be on my laptop and he'd have stuff on it was it was like such a nostalgia run of like he would have you know, kind of the old stuff we'd watch, like Green Acres would pop on, but he just watched like all these westerns that he loved and like my grandfather oh, yeah. used to watch. So like I and I kept getting I kept getting mad at myself because I'm like, I, I could use this time to catch up. I get some wrestling to watch to prep and I'd get sucked into these stupid <laughs> like the fucking rifleman, <laughs> yeah. like this stuff, and I'm like yeah, I'm getting pulled into like Marshall, you know, Marshall yeah. and like all this stuff. And I'm like, God, I'm like and, uh there was one day where I'm like, it was during the day he had it on and I'm like, they're waiting for me at the pool. And I'm like, I just want to see what happens in this episode of, of Marshall before I go outside in the pool. Um, but it, it brought back memories of those days where it was like me just sitting there with like nowhere else to really go. And, you know, him watching just old stuff that, yeah, I probably wouldn't put on on my own, but you're kind of interested in it because it's on now. And uh, I think it speaks to some of the quality of that TV that's probably overlooked and lost now to generations. But um and some of the stuff does hold up enough to at least be interesting. I don't know if I'd want to watch it every too. every day all day like he does, but um, anyway, yeah, it was just, it was kind of a throwback, I guess. Even though I had my laptop, and my phone, and my iPad, and my just you know disposure right there. But um, all right, so no, I know what you mean. Beyond- I, I definitely have been increasingly fascinated just by the medium of television. Just you don't think about how much of it you've consumed over your lifetime. If if like us. Um, you know, you're a professional couch potato, pretty, you know, growing up kind of thing. Not to, mm-hmm. you know, not to, like you were, you were at least into sports. I don't know if you played a whole lot, but in my case, I'm just yeah, a little basically bit. glued in front of the, I mean, I was a reader too. I was a nerdy kid, but mostly I'm, I'm sitting there in front of the Well, TV. that was the phone of the era, right? Like uh-huh. now, now you watch TV and you play on your phone, but like back then, yeah, I would, I'd have TV on, but I'd be reading books or magazines constantly. I'd always yeah. have like a stack right next to me, no matter what, whether it was, you know, a book or a mag, but it was, um, yeah, that was the phone of the day. I mean, that was it. You would just mm-hmm. read while you mm-hmm. watch TV. For sure. Uh, all right. So you are, <laughs> we spent a lot of time in, in 1992. Um, so you give well, up. Well, yeah, kind of spanning the nineties, really, uh, right. realistically. Right. So that, you know, I, I would say so I got you get back into, into it in 98. Yeah. I, I got back, back into, um, wrestling. I could see it like taking off again around me, at least it's circa like 1997. Um, yeah, so I was going to say like, is it on your radar? Like, Right, it's it June is. 95. Are you popping in just to see what's going on? Do you have any awareness? No, not as early as 95. Um, okay. You know, I just, I wasn't into like the new generations and even today, like trying to watch stuff as an adult um, that I didn't see at the time. I, I think the new generation is kind of what I have the hardest time with. Right. Uh, so that was like not on my radar uh, to speak of until 97 when you're getting more into the attitude stuff. And I even, I can't remember. Well, I'm sure the circumstances were something like 
my dad got tickets through his parents who and this is kind of convoluted my my step grandfather is somehow tight with the hebners uh earl and dave like he worked in local event promotions uh mm-hmm. so he would do a lot of stuff with like the richmond coliseum so anytime right wwf was in town he typically would would have a hookup through them and could get us pretty decent tickets and so we actually ended up going to um i mean i had been to at least one house show uh probably like it was during the time that savage and jake were feuding because that was actually the main event on this you know whatever house show circuit they were they were main eventing in the early 90s we went to one of those okay so fast forward 97 um we end up going to the in your house pay-per-view a cold day in hell Mm. (laughs) and i am like not into wrestling at all anymore at this point it was just it was a pay-per-view so it seemed like a big deal we were able to get tickets me and my dad so it's like we should go to this and so we did it just me and my dad nobody else um and i can remember just like trying to take in that atmosphere and being like huh wrestling has changed a whole lot (laughs) from what i remember which that's not a very long span of time for that much transformation to take place from oh yeah it's jarring 92 to 97 it's Mm -hmm. just a world of difference so it's like I'm seeing all these dudes like who are oddly enough, um, the nation was like super over on that show um, to the point that there are like white dudes in the in the crowd around me throwing up black power fists and stuff. <laughs> like it was, I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I, it's like I want to say there was like a Ahmed had to run the gauntlet against the nation so, I mean, they did get like a little, a good little showcase on the pay-per-view, but I mean, people were super into them, um, just in the crowd. Main event had like an early Austin Undertaker match, which is pretty good. So, um, I mean, it was a, it was an exciting show, but it was just sort of like, uh, almost sensory overload in a way where, I, cause I was just like, right. I didn't know the guys that well, other than a, a few names, um, hell that even had uh shamrock invader that was shamrock's uh in-ring debut wasn't it so yeah i think it's vader yep and that was kind of a um kind of a crazy stiff match but and i remember being a big shamrock guy once i got into it again properly just like Mm -hmm. you were where it was like he was he was one of my dudes and Um, i consider him well ahead of his time but um Anyway, saw that it was just kind of a one-off, and I was like, "Man, you know, wrestling is is like heating up big time." And I don't know if I want to get back into it because it's just like so different. But mm-hmm. it seems like it would be easy to get back into it. And Are you still talking to your cousin at this point? Yeah, I was, but he was not into it at all either by then. Okay. Um, although he was increasingly getting drunk, it it just felt like it was unavoidable. Like it was just this jet turbine engine that you're getting sucked into no no matter what you what you try however much you tried to avoid it like it was just all around you and um like at school like that's what i was seeing every day and 
it was like, uh, you know, that December, I, I remember, uh, the big deal going into Starcade was, you know, Sting's going to make his return. I knew about Hogan, uh, turning heel. I knew about the NWO. I, I couldn't, I couldn't have told you the individual members or anything, but I knew what that was. Right. So I'm increasingly having more of an awareness of, of some, some of the big players and storylines. And I knew that that Hogan sting match was about to happen and that that was a big, big deal. Um, just from people talking about it at school and, you know, that was like right before, uh, winter break and just, it just so happened. I, I stayed winter break, uh, with my dad over that just two week period, his next door neighbor, uh, bought the pay-per-view Starcade 97 and just invited us over. And, uh, so we watched it over there and look, not a great show, right. <laughs> to look back on, but I don't know the difference as a then 14 year old kid, really. Um, it's just like, yeah, this is this is wrestling now, and this is a, a big, big show, and all I know is that Sting walked out with the title, and uh, right. that's a big – and it just felt like I I was part of the conversation, like just knowing what had happened at a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, yeah, and that, that alone at that point for you. Yeah, yeah I, I, and I'd never seen a pay-per-view before, so it was just like, holy shit. Um, and it just – it helped that the next night, you know, it, you've got – nitro um three hours i'm still i'm still out of school so it's like i could stay up all night and watch nitro Mm -hmm. and the replay and um of course they do the rematch between hogan and sting which is then still indecisive so you know they were doing that very very heavy um serialized storytelling that we think of when we uh when we think of the glory days of the attitude era that just you know, that's when it's this high octane soap opera that <laughs> totally speaks my language. And um, it was just like, OK, I get it now. I get it. I know who the guys are. Um, I, I like, uh, you know, these different factions and the characters are, are a lot more mature now. And it just it was easy to get pulled back in. So gradually it, it started with WCW and I'm like. Of course, I'm going to flip channels, see what's happening on Raw. We've got cable, so there's not the accessibility issue anymore. And um, I just, you know, that's how that's how it was. I mean, and I think that's a, a story that is going to be familiar to a lot of people who maybe that was their first time getting into wrestling. It was just, right. it, it felt like um, just a renaissance for me, I guess. Um, I had, I dipped my toes in, but this was when I really and truly, like, became a wrestling fan. Um, and then, you know, I watched it steadily through like, I don't know, like probably mid 2005. And, you know, it just became, again, I go back to that, the uh, podcast you did with Aaron, where he said, mm-hmm. you know, by 2005, during that period, you missed, if you missed one show, it became easy to miss another. Right. And then another, and you just sort of fall off. So it was not, uh, it was not must see television by then. No, but, but um, had, had, like, did you, it was that just like from there on, this is how it's always been now. I would say so. Yeah. And, and I kind of go through these love, hate periods with wrestling. 
nowadays. Well, it's funny because like, I, I mean, when I think of you, I think of someone who watches a lot of wrestling. So it's funny, and you know, to say like, oh, as of 05, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you know, the love affair was like I really up wasn't watching it. Like, yeah, I, I stayed up on it, but I wasn't watching it. I didn't feel the need to watch it week to week. Um, right. And just to mainline it like I had been doing. It was like, okay, if I miss Raw this week, I'll find out what I missed. Um, if there was a great match that it's worth going out of my way for, then then I'll track it down. You're not having to be home on Mondays at nine anymore. I'm not having, you know, I'm not having to do that. Um, so, and I'm, I, it feels sort of early to have that. Mm-hmm. sort of relationship with with wrestling but that's really when it started and now it's even i think more casual when it comes to well it's easier especially to access WWE. Now, right yeah it's, e- it's easier I mean, it's, access because you can just mm-hmm. catch anything at any time if you hear it's good right like, so like if you miss the pay-per-view which you know i think what's reinvigorated a lot of you know i, I know i'm in a spot and i think you are too is this like you know close group we've kind of formed of talking during pay-per-views a lot and you know the podcast stuff like i think that's helped but um it's just easier than ever to access so like if you miss raw but there's a cool moment it's, you can have it within two seconds somewhere like you don't need to wait or oh shit i missed i gotta wait till night. like that's gone so it's mm-hmm. they've actually made it and i've said this before like they've made it easier than ever to not be dialed in because yeah, all right, I'm going to WrestleMania. I can just heat myself back up quickly if needed. You know what I mean? Listen to a couple of podcasts, watch a couple of clips, and I'm caught up. It's like, like I don't need to be dialed in for the road to WrestleMania. I, or, or they're almost oh, so sure. good at stuff too, that it's like mm-hmm. their video packages have become so good that I don't need to watch anything. I can just go to Mania, watch a video package for every match, and, and know exactly what's going on. Yep, yep. And it's also, I don't know, I feel like the – I don't want to bag on the current product too much, but it just seems like – the depth of storytelling is sort of not what it used to, you know, it's not the crash TV Russo era stuff, which um, right. had, had its uh, pros and cons for sure. But like this shit ain't rocket science. You know, it, it's a very, a lot of times they do these very slow burns with, with their major rivalries where it feels to watch it all play out in real time feels very decompressed. And it's like, ugh, just get on with it, you know? Um, which, you know, for people like us was, was not our experience where it's just mm-hmm. everything is happening that could possibly happen in a, in a given uh, 60 minutes, you know, on these <laughs> these these weekly shows. Um, and it's just crazy to try to keep up with. Now it's it's much easier, I feel like. And, and some a lot of matches don't even have much of a storyline attached to them. It's just <laughs> just throw two people out there and it's like, have a good match. And. You know, in a way, you're not as invested, but um, it, nowadays, it's it's what you said. It comes down to just the relationship aspect. I I think for me, it would be the easiest thing in the world to just completely walk away from wrestling and not right. watch another minute of it, if not for the fact that basically all of my adult friendships at this point are, <laughs> you know. Well, that's somehow, a big part of it. Yeah, somehow like, within the ecosystem of professional wrestling, you know, <laughs> just, it's definitely kept me. It, it's definitely, and I've I've said this, I think on every almost every one of these. Yeah, like this is what's kept me engaged. In I think I would always probably be a fan, but like mm-hmm. watching and talking about like this whole thing that we do has definitely uh, you know elongated my wrestling fandom. I would a hundred percent agree with that because I would say like around oh eight oh nine ten. 
I was still into it, but I had like maybe three or four friends, you know, like that were really into yeah, it. And then yeah. shit like the blog of doom and stuff online. But, um, in person, it just was fading. So building up through the podcast and, and building this, you know, fan base up that eventually became just like tons of good friends, a hundred percent elongated, uh, my fandom along with the network and stuff like that, the ease of being able to watch what I want, whenever I want, like stuff like that. It's been helpful too, obviously, but, um, yeah, it's interesting to think where it would all be without it. But like, when did, when we, when did you get online? Were you online by the time you go back into wrestling? Uh, 2010, 2010. Yeah. What? No, uh, <laughs> no, I was online pretty, pretty early, honestly. Um, uh, I don't know that I'd be considered like an early adopter, but I want to say, see, my mom's brother had this um, internet startup company. It was called uh, Mindspring. It was mostly a, a regional uh, dial-up in the mid '90s. They eventually, um, they eventually got bought out by Earthlink, which is not a thing anymore either. But you might remember that name from like the early right, 2000s. Yep. But anyway, so we had um, we had dial-up through. Mindspring, like as early as 95, 90, I want to say 96, 95 yeah, seems that, too early. That's about when I got in, which is, I, I feel like that's on the early end. Like I didn't know too many yeah. people that were online. Um, <clears throat> I knew personally now, I know there was, obviously we, we know it through wrestling stuff, that there was a robust community as early as like 90, you know, so. Yeah. Or yeah, even exactly. earlier, but yeah, yeah, I would say like. 95 96 feels I, w- I would say yes you were an early adopter i think being on in 95 96 i think for the mainstream that's that's pretty early and that at the time i was mainly using the internet probably to fuel my interest in like comics because there was a big right. big comics community on the early internet um i wasn't into wrestling um I wasn't back into wrestling by then, but once I was, then, then it became honestly the news groups like RSPW. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, because that's where I was looking at like all the comic shit were primarily on news groups, which again, a lot of younger people are probably going, what the hell is a news group? But it (laughs) is just a glorified message board. (laughs) It's just a glorified (laughs) message board without graphics or anything. (laughs) Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, definitely having that that online presence uh, was where I formed a lot of a lot of the relationships that that I maybe didn't have in person um, mm-hmm. as a kid. And, and even to this day, like, I really do think I would be I would still be into probably comics and movies and stuff like that. But I really do think I would be all out on wrestling, if, if not for right. just the friendships that, that I've made. I just and, think and there were so why. few it's wrestling just, fans in life. That's why. Yeah, like, there were it few is, and far yeah. between during that era. And mm-hmm. so, like, the internet allowed you access to that and discussions that bridged into friendships. I mean, stuff like Blog of Doom or Defy Driver and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, even just AOL groups and chat rooms just gave you the ability to suddenly connect with others that were also into wrestling. And it's like, it was like, it wasn't just like finding out of the comment, like cause some of that stuff was everywhere. But like for that, it was like, mm-hmm. oh shit, like I can talk about all this classic and current stuff with like a whole bunch of people now, and not just like three. And it was yeah, mind blowing. And learn things that I never knew that are just yeah, yes. like, like you said, mind blowing. Took the words out of my mouth. And by the way, this Benoit Raven match, this was 
a huge component of my uh, just reigniting my fandom. I was so into this feud. Um, and I don't know why. I think I credit a lot of it to Raven. I, and mm-hmm. God, I talked about this as early as probably those, you know, survey says <laughs> first regular podcast that I did was um, just Raven was, doesn't get enough credit. I think is be for being as effective mm-hmm. of a heel character, especially this type of heel character. Um, where it's like, I felt like I knew people like Raven mm-hmm. or I, or I knew people who admired people like Raven and it was just such a scumbag, such an asshole. And like, I just hated him so right. much. <laughs> like I just fucking hated the dude. And, you know, of course, Benoit is just this absolute animal who's going to take him apart on every shit. Like, I don't know. It, it just felt like there was such an injustice in Raven constantly being able to get away with, with what he was doing. Mm-hmm. But it felt very realistic at the same time. And that's and watching that's ECW, like, what, uh-huh. that's I a common part of his character. Even ECW, like, he just keeps escaping and fucking with everyone yeah. and... Yeah, just like a rotten asshole. Like that's all he is—a a manipulative rotten asshole. So it's yeah. I mean, it's definitely I think a good gateway character. Oh yeah. So I was just God. I I love this feud so much. Um, and I love sitting it on the other uh, auxiliary deck over there. They've been oh yeah. Soft to the side. Asshole. <laughs> yes. And the, and it was great because they tried to interfere, but they'd all get their shit pushed in too. Mm-hmm. So it was just um. But, I mean, speaking of Benoit, that's another one. I think wrestling is more so than other interests, and not to get on a whole soapbox or anything, but more so than other things that people get into. Uh, wrestling really has the capacity to break your heart. Like, it right. it gives, but it sure as hell takes away, too. Um, and and I, almost, I will question sometimes, like, if I gotten as much out of wrestling as I've kind of put into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, immediately I stopped myself and say, well, of course, you know, the friendships and that's, what's really more important than, right. you know, the work rate or whatever. But, you know, stuff like, um, Eddie, which Eddie dying in 2005, I, I would say my fandom took a hit mm-hmm. when that happened because it, it was just such a bummer. Um, but then the Benoit thing was like, uh, don't know if I want to do this anymore, like at all. Um, cause you know, Benoit was like my favorite guy and that was such an investment and in not just a character, but a, but a real, a real life story. And to see it all in that way, was like, okay, this, I just feel like I wasted <laughs> many years of my life here. Um, on something that, that is, again, just taken so much more than, than I've gotten out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just feel like there's always, I hate to say it, but I feel like there's always that risk with wrestling, right? <laughs> that somebody's well, going to turn out been to a be big... an absolute monster. Right. Well, yes, a hundred percent. And I think that's why it's been such a big rebound for me as a fan to like have found this many friends and spent this many happy hours, like talking about it and beyond. And whether it's, you know, midnight on a Saturday or doing a podcast or, chat with people throughout the day on message like that has added so much value to this Mm -hmm. for me that it all feels like more than worthwhile you know what i mean like i mean it's a whole network and branch of people that i would never have met or known um 
and now not just online, like in person, like a lot of, a lot I've met in person. Right. So it's, it's just, yeah. Like the last 10 years has definitely, I think started to pay like a ton of dividends of this lifetime habit um, that has been maligned for many years and looked down upon and all this other shit. But um, it's become just such a, you know, big part of, uh, you know, there you go. Raven steals a win, a high quality, yeah. win, uh, high quality life. So listen, I'm going to bring us full circle to wrap this up. So yeah. the episode of Beverly Hills Nano Tuna, which is uh, one of the ones you and I heard, uh, love, is season five, episode 13, Up in Flames. That is the rave. Steve the Sanders lesbian rave. rave. <laughs> yes. yes. And I We're bring that up because up. I bring that up because it aired on November 30th, 1994. And in that episode, what plays a key role in that fire is David and his um, message board posting Claire, uh, yes, Claire yeah. are using the internet and they put it they in the post wrong it YouTube. like on the wrong new, news group yes. or whatever or chat room or something yeah yep. and so like when i think of like 96 being early i'm like well here's a like very popular mainstream network tv show like mm-hmm. using the internet in 1994 like you know super early adopter yeah you figure it's like prodigy or something Right. And I remember CompuServe a bit. I used that. Just, Ooh, that was, yeah. my game. was CompuServe. Yeah. I had that for a little bit before AOL. But listen, this has been a ton of fun. I feel like uh, all of these behinds I've done so far could easily have a part two. Like, I feel like we didn't even dive into a bunch of stuff, but we didn't even get into your origins yeah. of PTB, et cetera. But uh, we'll save that for part two. Sure. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, check out Tim and I on 90210so. Usually every two to three Fridays, uh, that's out. So every two or three weeks on Friday nights, uh, we're deep into season one, which is really exciting. Uh, Tim, anything else you want to plug while you're here? Uh, I would just encourage people to subscribe uh, to the North-South Connection, where you're hearing this podcast right now. I like that. um, I love the theme of the North-South Connection, too, because, uh, you know, JT, when you do when you do podcasts with Aaron on this network, you are the mm-hmm. southern contingent to his <laughs> yes, true yes. contingent. But when you do these podcasts with people like me and Chad and Jennifer Smith, uh, we are the southern contingent to your uh, to your, your your Yankee northerner, mm-hmm. your, 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 you know, or of northern aggression on the uh, podcasting world. No, uh, subscribe to the North South Connection. This is great. Um, you can hear shows like this. You can hear lots of cool wrestling stuff. Um, part of the quad of pods, of course. Um, we have Place B Nation Wrestling, where I have a pair of shows over there called uh, Talking, excuse me, not Talking Anything, <laughs> called Talking WCW and PTB NXT. Those with the aforementioned Jennifer Smith, uh, Greg Phillips, and Jacob Smith. Um, you can find me on Place Me Nation Pop as well, Place Me Nation Pop Experience, sister network, uh, where I am part of a panel called Pop Goes to the Couch. We did roundups of uh, a couple of series recently from Disney Plus. We talked uh, The Mandalorian. We talked uh, uh, Book of Boba Fett. We talked all the Marvel shows. Uh, we even did some Peacemaker coverage from uh, HBO Max. So on a little bit of a break right now, but. Once we have more uh, regular content to cover, look for uh, Pop Goes to the Couch to return. And uh, finally, the Jenny position. That's Jennifer Smith's uh, network where she has a variety of 
pop culture related content. We do a show together called Talkin' Pop, uh, often with a guest, often with the two of us, just shooting the breeze. But um, yeah, quad of pods, and I uh, somehow have a little bit of presence on each of them that um, I enjoy a great deal, and hope you do as well. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Syke68, C-Y-K-E-6-8, which I often forget to... I'm not very active on Twitter these days. JT, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I haven't officially taken a break, but it's like... It's been nice. You know, it's just better. It's just better for your mental health, right? Not to be... Or, like, yeah, it's refreshing just to step away from all the stupid drama of the world and just uh, build yourself a bubble. That's how I, I recommend it. It's been nice. Yeah. Um, all right, so check out everything we have to offer the North-South Connection. Like I said, this uh, this is a, a regular show here, and we have tons of other content. Dropping daily with Pronoso Daily, of course. And we have some faves in the pipeline to be returning as well. So be sure to keep an eye out on northsouthconnection.podbean.com or any podcatcher app that you leverage. So that's Tim. I'm JT. This has been Behind the Connection. Stay connected. Stay connected.